Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Mariana. And Elizabeth. You're back! Yay! (laughs) Yeah, it's just going to be interesting week by week, but yes, for today, here I am. You're here, you've got the baby, and we're here recording, and that's, it's, it's going. Yeah. We'll make this work. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Uh, Waylon just tried to bust in already, so... (laughs) he's like mom doesn't have the baby right now (laughs) yeah i need attention he's so funny yeah he's the one who's been sleeping in another room (laughs) oh like on purpose he decided to or you you make him sleep in the other room no no because he is not the baby anymore so oh he's a little jealous i can see Willie, on the other hand, is, you know, right there with the baby all the time. Cute. We call him the diaper detective, too, because he starts whining if the baby has a dirty diaper. (laughs) Because he can smell it. (laughs) He's like, help. Humans, take care of this. (laughs) I mean, you need that. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's better. It's better to know. Absolutely. (laughs) So what have you been up to? (laughs) Yeah. um, So there's this weird kind of experience. (laughs) I guess it's kind of what Sam experiences as a coder. But Uh so our neighbors, who actually is also named Elizabeth, um, she they brought us dinner. And so I had run everything through the dishwasher. And I was like, oh, I'll just run these next door. And I looked down on my phone because I was going to text her and say, hey, can I run these by real quick? And it was 1145 at night. <sighs> nice. And I was like, oh, you're like, they're nope. probably asleep, actually. <laughs> so it's this kind of strange experience where you don't really understand what day it is, what time it is. You know, you're just in a kind of cyclical existence of right oh it's time for the baby to eat oh it's time for the baby's (laughs) diaper to change oh my goodness that's amazing yeah but really cool too yeah and the awesome thing is that nobody really expects you to be on a normal schedule you know (laughs) but then again i think about you know, was I on a normal schedule before? Maybe in some sense I was responding to emails from nine to five because that's when other people responded to emails and sent emails. But right. there are many times that I've been formatting a book until two in the morning or working on a manuscript or, you know, doing yeah. those kinds of things. So I'm not I'm not real sure that this is all that different, except that there's another human being involved. <laughs> right. And he's kind of noisy sometimes, probably. Yeah, we call him we call him Squeaker because he makes all these sounds. He's apparently a very vocal baby. So cute. That's awesome. That makes sense though, because his parents are both very verbal, right? Yes. <laughs> yep. You do talk a lot. <laughs> so he's just trying to uh, participate in the conversation, I guess. Oh, he's got to get a word in. He's like, guys, if I don't start talking now. Oh, see, and Dag responded, didn't he? Wasn't I know. Did him? you hear him? I did. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I was going to say, and so we also have vocal dogs. So, yeah. you know, he just thinks this is normal existence. <laughs> yeah. Tag is, he's now um, making very soft grunty sounds because he's very happy to be lying on the carpeted floor next to me while I do stuff. Yeah. Very content. Nope. Now he's not content anymore. <laughs> I would like to go somewhere else, but. He's going to have to get over that. So you had two really great episodes with two great co-hosts. Yeah, it was really fun. I um, I put Molly on the spot. I feel bad. Sorry, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> She'll um, never come again. To no, I don't think that's true. We did end up having a good time, but I was like, I was like, um, my dog is now trying to rip up the carpet because it's not soft enough. Um, <laughs> right, but and make yeah, a with, bed. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, it's it was yeah. I put her on the spot, so I appreciate her being a good sport about the whole thing. Um, <laughs> it was super fun to talk to both of them, um, and and it was awesome like the prep for it because like Stacy's like we need to you know have all these like links and decide what we're going to talk about. And we didn't do any of that. And she's like, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, we don't have to go for like 45 minutes like Mariana and I do, but don't (laughs) worry. I think we'll fill the time. And then when we finish, she's like, that was really that long. I was like, yeah. Yeah. See See how it goes. (laughs) She's like, that's amazing. I was like, yeah, look, 
We're pretty good at this. <laughs> yes, you are. Think about it. How I had to kind of convince you uh, before oh. you even knew me, really. Right. Yeah, that was added that we didn't to need the a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam's like, here, you should just talk to this, you know, woman. She's my wife, and we'll. It'll, It'll all be great. Out. You should record yeah. it. And yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> And now you know. You're convincing other people to do the same thing. Right. My work here is done. <laughs> and no, then Stacy did me. It's not done. <laughs> yeah. Then Stacy did NaNoWriMo and won. I know. I know. I was so proud of her. It's awesome. And you won too. Mm-hmm. I kind of rocked it and now I'm I'm in the revision process. Um very cool. The story is not done. Um, like I don't, I don't know what the ending is yet. And I kind of just kind of, I mean, it's nano, right? So it was really slapdash haphazard. Let's write this scene now. And Hey, maybe that would be a cool idea. And then I just pasted it all into order because I love Scrivener and I can do it with that. And that's just kind of how I work. Um, but so yeah, now the revision process is I need to go back through the whole thing and see if it makes sense and figure out where I like, jump the shark <laughs> you know and where i need to like oh there's a huge gap right together. here yeah yeah and like fill in stuff um but but i actually um i found that i was excited to get to the revision process um so like that's a cool new experience for me because every other time with nano i'm like oh my god please <laughs> hide this thing somewhere and never show it to me again. So Yeah, um, that's a yeah. big deal if you can have an energy for the revision <laughs> process because good gracious, it is difficult. Yes. Yes, it's going a lot slower than the um than the writing part, the drafting part did. So Well, I had set my goal for 25,000 words and I didn't get there, but I got about 12. So well, that 12 words or 20 12,000. No, 12,000. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Um, that's still pretty awesome. And you wrote after Ben came too, right? Yeah, I've still been yeah. writing. So yeah, yeah. That's that's the most important thing to me is I'm just and I'm being a little more methodical than I usually am in drafting. So nice. And, and I think it's because I I can see this actually being becoming a book. Some of the other ones, I it was just a story. You know, I didn't even have chapter breaks, and I didn't know where any of those things fell. But with right. this one. It's a little, I guess, it, maybe it's because it's a little more purposeful. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe I, that's um, just how this manuscript works. I think every manuscript you encounter, either as a publisher or an editor or as a writer, is just a little bit different. Has a different personality, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, your process becomes more informed as you as you go as well. You know, like. Yeah, that's a I good mean, point. I I definitely am doing things differently this time than I did before, but I still don't have chapter breaks. Like that's, I, and I don't think every every like um, mature manuscript does right away. You know, it's not yeah. like you always know where they are. Sometimes like that's kind of post production stuff that you fit together at the end. You know, and then and then you maybe have to go back and like do a little bit more revising to make sure that your um, chapter endings are. Um, leading you into the next chapter sufficiently and that your chapter beginnings are hooking you in more, you know, like, because it's, if you're not doing it right away, it's, it's a little less natural, but, but well, also a little more natural. So maybe that's kind know. of like icing the cake, you know, those are the um, features that come at the end. But right. I will say this, I've encountered a lot of manuscripts that have a very, big problem in my opinion and that's mm -hmm. an inconsistency in chapter length and uh -huh. you know people like okay so i just finished dead wake by eric larson well he can pull it off because he's eric larson this is like his sixth book and it has a historical narrative where he's going back and forth between uh perspectives and so sometimes you know having the shorter chapter actually builds the tension and the momentum of the book however you know for a new author i think it's it's pretty important to have some consistency. I've gotten some manuscripts that the first chapter is 17 pages long and the next chapter is three pages long. And that that's yeah. a big problem, in my opinion, that needs to be worked out in revision before you ever send it to a publisher. Well, and the thing is with that is that like, I mean, I, 
I've listened to um, a few different people talk about chapter lengths, and and I actually have kind of my own opinion on that too. Is that like a chapter length is part of the part of the structure of your novel? It's important, um, and so like it doesn't always have to be. Um, consistent, like the same length, but different genres kind of work a little bit differently. And so some genres, they, you know, like it's more uniform just as a general rule, if you look across the genre. Um, And in some genres, it's less uniform, but it's never like, it's never just because you feel like this next chapter should be short. There's always a purpose for like why one chapter is one length and one chapter is another length. And it's like you say, it's to build tension in places um, and to like, to it, it adds to the pacing of the entire piece. So like, so yeah, if you're a new author and you find that your chapters are all weird lengths, you might want to consider why that is and go back and see if there's something you, that you can do about the arc of your story because there's like, you know, there's that whole idea of like each scene has an arc and e- the whole story has an arc and then each chapter is going to have an arc and so like figure out why why one would be longer than the other or whatever. So, but, so I think it's, it's definitely more fluid. Like you can, you, you can make things shorter or longer depending on what you, what your story requires. Um, but you have to know that you're doing it. You can't just do it. Yeah. And I think it has to do with a range too, you know, 17 to three, that's a big difference. You know, if you have 11 pages to seven, that's not such a big difference. And so, you know, there's, and then we go back to the, the whole idea of making sure it's purposeful. You know, if you do have an editor who's asking you about the inconsistencies in your chapter length, if you have an explanation, you know, then maybe they'll go for it or at least they'll see what your intention was and then they can refine it with you. Right. But if you're like, oh, I never noticed. Okay. That doesn't (laughs) speak too well of you as a author. Well, and I mean, that's the thing that, that writers, especially new writers have to remember is that like everything that you do is intentional. So even if you're not paying attention to something um, and you just kind of like put it in there, whether it's a character or, um, or a theme or an idea or a particular way that you use words or structure sentences, like the, the whole point of writing as a craft is that you go back and you consider why you did things that way. And if you don't have a reason for it, then you find a reason or you change it. Yeah. <laughs> so like you change it so that it has a reason because that's, that's like, you're informing your writing, you're, um, you're imbuing it with, with meaning, which is the whole point, whether it's, whether it's a YA dystopian novel or, um, a giant historical novel or, or a piece of nonfiction that is intended to just inform people about, you know, like, I don't know, Alzheimer's or something like everything. It has a purpose. So, yes. So Sam and I have been watching this new show (laughs) called Uh Top Chef. Have you ever watched it? No, I haven't. But again, I, we don't have TV and have not had cable in so long. Oh no, it's on Hulu. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, it, it's not something that would have ever crossed your path. Not really. Well, the only reason that we started watching it was because of a podcast that Sam listens to, but we don't have cable anymore either. Uh And so it's a competition, but it's a seasonal competition like um, America's Next Top Model, but it's for chefs. Right. And so there's always chefs that end up on the top and there are always chefs that end up on the bottom until you get to the finale. And then it's down to three chefs. You know, same reality TV kind of experience that right. you can have in lots of different genres. However, one of the things that we've noticed is once the chefs get before the judges table, it's the same thing. They say, okay, so, or if you watch chopped or anything, any kind of competitive cooking show, they say, why did you put this here? 
Right. Oh, well, I thought it would look good. Okay, well, it doesn't taste good. So you had one thought process that was decent, but you didn't also consider the taste and the way this changes the whole the dish as a whole. It's right. the same thing when you're writing. Exactly. And I think your point of about sentence length and sentence structure is another thing that authors don't realize because I think what authors do, especially in the drafting process, is they try to go with their natural instincts or their natural flow mm-hmm. um, first. And I think that's important. You need to do that in order to get words on the page. But right. as you go back through, you have to make sure that your voice is consistent and the voice being consistent has to do with sentence structure, sentence length, as well as chapter length. And and so all of that flow goes together to create the overall dish or the overall manuscript (laughs) for someone. And so even as I'm editing with people, you know, what I say is, okay, here's the thing that you need to work on, or, you know, here's the reason your manuscript's not being accepted or it is being accepted. And my biggest thing is that is if as a reader, I have to stop. Right. You know, if my flow is interrupted. Now, if it's kind of a reflective stop, that's one thing, you know, that can be very intentional on the part of the author. But if it's a stop of confusion and scratching my head, that's not a good kind of stop. (laughs) That's not what you want from your readers. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's really, it comes back down to being intentional about what you say and how you say it so that it creates a, a purposeful cause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what was I in my revision talk that I did for, um, for writer igniter con, like one of the questions that I had, um, people ask themselves and you ask at the beginning um, of your revision process. And then again, at the end is like, have I achieved the effect that I wanted on the reader? Yes or no. And if yes, then awesome. And if no, then how can I revise to achieve that effect? And like, that's what you're doing with your writing every time is what effect are you trying for? Are you trying for a tearjerker? Are you trying for something that makes people think? Are you trying for, um, something that gets your adrenaline pumping, but like, you know, think about what effect you're having, um, what effect you wanted, and then revise again until you get there. So not easy. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And that's something that can, I think, get you excited about the revision process, because there's so many people who just don't want to engage the revision process at all. Right. (laughs) You know? No, I'm... Yeah, I'm actually enjoying it. I think we've been um, there as writers too, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, like, so I think I'm like 20 pages or 25 pages into revising and I have like 200 pages of manuscript. Um, And, and it's, so it's going slowly and occasionally so far I hit a paragraph. Usually it's my exposition that, that is kind of rough and makes me frustrated and want to run away. So I'll hit like a paragraph of like, Oh no, I'm transitioning to the next scene and it's horrible. And so then I (laughs) I have to put it down. Yeah. (laughs) I have to put it down and like leave it for a little bit and just like think about like where I'm going and what I'm doing with it and then come back and look at it again and say, okay, here we go. We can do this, you know, but it's just like, so I still have to pep talk myself, but it's not quite as like, oh, no, it will never be good enough and I can't do this. It's like, okay, okay, what do I want and how do I get there? And let's go back and look at this again and how can we make it better and how can I refine the voice a little more so that it sounds more like my main character, Treya, you know, and yeah, working on it. Okay, so I think this is an important thing to talk through with our listeners because we haven't really talked about uh, we've talked about the revision process but we haven't broken down the revision process so okay you have completed a draft yes and so now you are you yourself by yourself without outside influence are working through um the whole manuscript yes and so then after that after you work through the whole manuscript so you said you're 25 pages in to Uh over 200 pages. So then what comes next for you? Then are you going to go back to do chapter breaks and those kinds of things? 
Probably. Yeah. So like, so for me right now, it's, it's a multi-step process. And so right now I'm just trying to make sure that I have the whole story there and I know I don't have the ending yet. So like I have to go back and I'm, I kind of was likening it to um, smoothing out the wrinkles when you're ironing, you know? Yeah. And so like, as you do that, where things were, it's not always where they end up. You kind of have to push it out a little bit more to get it, you know, to be flat. So yeah, stretch um, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so um so I'm working on that and working out the wrinkles and that kind of thing and and basically um trying to uh like even out the tone overall, the voice just a little bit more. And so that's like step one. And then step two will be to go back and look at the characters um, and to and then to go back and look at, you know, each scene and make sure that the theme is is there and that um, and that the what Treya's goal is, is clear in each scene, um, whether or not that scene is like pushing her closer to that large goal that she has somehow in the little places, it should be there. It should be apparent. So, um, yeah. So like working through those kind of things and developing relationships between the characters and that kind of thing. So it's a multi-step process to, to revise. Um, and that's just your revision as an individual. So then after that all takes place, then you'll send it to a beta reader perhaps. Yep. Then I will send it to a beta reader, um, and then at least what? one, and wait for their feedback and see where I need to make more revisions to make things more clear, um, or to make my impact more, um, more powerful. Yes. Um, and then after that, then I need to find an editor to work with, and so that'll be fun. <laughs> and then after that then it will likely be ready to shop around or to self-publish or to do whatever it is that I'm going to do with this. Yeah. So we're talking about a process and this is, this is, I hear again and again, oh, well, I need to talk to you because I want to write a book. Great. Right. <laughs> I'll see you in three years. Yeah, exactly. Or seven years. Or, you know, and I, I'm happy to have those conversations with people, but the amount of time that it takes to get a manuscript ready to send to a publisher is much longer than you probably anticipate. Right. Well, and the thing is that, like, that you can um, shorten that timeline if you want to, but you have to be willing to put in the hours. Oh, sure. So, like, I know some people who um, are debuting novels next year and they're like, they have three of them in the pipeline. But, like, that's their full-time job, basically. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. So, and they might have another job, too. But, like, they're they're putting in full-time hours on this writing to get it there, to get it ready to be published. Um, and that's, like, self-publishing. And that's, that's pretty much how that goes. But, like, if you're going um, with, with traditional publishing, it, it's a hurry-up-and-wait business. So you might get your manuscript, you know, the first draft done, but then you need to go through and go through and go through until it's really good. And then you shop it and then you're going to have to go through it again because once it gets picked up by somebody, they're going to have more revisions for you. So like, it's just, it's not, it's not something that like happens overnight. No. And I think the other note it, that it's important to uh, talk about here is if you um, truncate the process in some way, it's going to be evident to the readers if you skip right. one of those steps. And I'm not saying that those, you know, that it doesn't necessarily have to take six years. I think especially uh, writers who already have been through the process, that process gets shorter and shorter the more right. that you engage in it. However, the process is still important. And, and there's a reason that those steps are what we recommend here and, and what you hear again and again from people who are successful, because that's what it takes to get the writing to the point that it's powerful and that it's exactly. well received. Because we've all read books that are thrown together, for lack of a right. better description. 
Well, and the thing is that like what you get out of it is what you put into it. So, um, you know, like people complain about how much it costs to hire a freelance editor um, because writing is a hobby. And yes, it's an expensive hobby um, to undertake. Um, But like if you want your book to sell well, you have to put out the best product possible. And so, yeah, you have to put some money into it and a lot of time into it. But the more that you do that, the more you're going to get on the returns. Yeah. And I think thinking of it as an investment is something that's a good analogy. Okay. I'm going to invest this much money in hopes that not, maybe you don't get that all back in book sales immediately, but in people talking about you and people seeing you as an author and as a writer, you you know, these are the investments that you have to make. Right. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people um, get held up is the point of having to invest in it. Okay. If I invest in it, then this is something that I'm hoping yields some returns. If I don't invest in it, then it can just still be a hobby for me. And that's okay too. If you want to just be a writer who that's your hobby, that's perfectly acceptable as well. My suggestion would be to get a blog then because, (laughs) you know, that's exactly not much of an investment. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, but I think that's, that's what distinguishes the, you know, the people who are going to be successful as authors and the people who aren't going to be successful as authors. Right. Well, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, just wanting to put your first words out there for people. No, yeah, nothing at all. But if you really want to improve um, and if you really want your words to have impact, like you'll, you take the time, you make the effort. Well, okay. So now to kind of switch subjects, because I do want to talk about what you you posted about the Amazon reviews. Oh, yeah. That was a kind of a scary rabbit hole to go down right there. Um, so I posted, and for the listeners who don't know, I posted an article um, that I saw um, that talked about how Amazon is changing its review process. And I can't, I can't decide. I'm pretty sure it's not, um, not the best it can be yet <laughs> um, yeah. at all. <clears throat> because for so long, you know, and this was that problem that I had with Goodreads and with making any kind of um, like judgments based on reader reviews that are posted on Goodreads and on Amazon. Um, like anybody can post a review at any time of any level um, that says, you know, this book is great and I loved it and blah, blah, blah. And, or this book is the worst and I really didn't like it. And they may not have even read it. Yep. Um, They might've just read a review. (laughs) Right. Or they might just be friends with the author. Um, So here's so let's describe the situation maybe. Sure. Go for it. So that is, and I, I wouldn't say that um, Amazon is changing their review process. Actually, if you look back, it's they go through this every couple of years. So yeah. one of the things that they're working on is removing or having reviews disappear that are connected to the author in some way. So because of the great world that we live in, Amazon can tell if you are friends on Facebook or Twitter with the author. And so some of those reviews are disappearing if they're, if it's proven through whatever algorithms they're using that you are in fact related in some way to the author. And I don't mean related as in this is my sister, but related as in this is my friend. Um, Now this is a big deal for authors who are dependent upon those you know, beta readers or not even beta readers in the sense of, hey, this is my manuscript, but that that is their audience, right? So on Facebook, your friends and your family, those are your initial audience as a new author. And so, you know, whether the author has asked for these reviews or not doesn't matter in Amazon's opinion. It's just if you are related in some way to the author as a friend or connected, you know, via social media then those well, Amazon reviews can disappear. So the thing is, too, that, yeah, it's that whole you're connected through social media. But, like, one of the 
huge things that the publishing industry and that we tell you to do as an author is to build your platform. And how do you build your platform? You do it by making connections on social media. So you're like engaging your readers, which is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And then your readers' reviews are disappearing from Facebook or disappearing from Amazon because you're connected on Facebook, which is backwards. Right. Okay. So that's the that's the problem for authors who are very pure hearted. Okay. Right. So why is Amazon engaging in this process? Well, because, because there's a lot of people that lie. There's a lot of people who lie and give five star reviews. There's also some authors who create a whole separate Amazon account and go in and review their own books. Yeah. That's but there are also authors who pay people to review their books and give them five star reviews. Not yes. only that, but there are authors who also offer free copies of books or free speaking engagements or some kind of service for you to write a review. And whether they ask for a five-star review or not, it doesn't matter. You know, there's some kind of goods being exchanged there, which right. impacts the validity of the review. It's so this is what quo. exactly. So this is what, or I'll give you a review if you give me a review. So right. this is what Amazon is trying to combat: is that this this exchange of reviews or the ex- exchange of goods for good reviews. So in that sense, I've seen this a lot from authors, and I've advised against it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, you want to have good reviews on your author page. And so it's natural to ask people who are your fans to review your book or to write you a snippet for the back cover of your book or those kinds of things. But it also impacts how people see you as an author, because if they know that your best friend wrote the review on the back, well, you know, okay. But is your best friend really going to give an honest review of it? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as having your best friend edit your novel for you. Right. So so this is what Amazon is trying to combat by this, you know, I don't right. know. Right, so, but they're like... The cleanup of reviews, I guess. like one end of the entire process and problem and missing the other end of it. Exactly. Think, which is the, the one-star review side of it. Right. Because, like, there's plenty of that going on out there. I have a trash truck outside right now, by the way. (laughs) Sorry about that. Well, okay, so yes. And then the other real issue is that authors who are trying to develop an audience on Amazon and just trying to develop an audience would depend upon the people who know them first, who have experienced the writing of the novel with them, and or who are friends on Facebook just because, you know, Ooh, I can say that I liked Liz Gilbert's page. I don't know her, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like I'm friends with Chuck Wendig on Facebook, you know? Right. Like actually like friends on Facebook. He doesn't have an author page that like I like. So, you know, there's, there's some of that too, in that if you use Facebook correctly, um, it, it would make a little bit of a difference for some of those people. Like if you, if you set up your author page and that, is where you direct your fans um, so that people yes. like your author page and they're not requesting your friendship on Facebook. So you keep your personal life separate from your professional life. That's a lot better. Yeah. And I think, well, and I think that the idea of paying for reviews is not something that we know that that happens. We know also with the New York Times bestseller that there's been some investigation into how how books actually end up on the New York Times bestseller, especially in the top 10. And, you know, some of that conversation, I think, from a publishing standpoint is good because it does attempt to keep authors honest um, and agents honest and publishing houses honest about what they're doing. However, there's always another side to that. And that's for the, you know, new author who's trying to make a name for himself or herself. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think your point about not about Amazon's not really going after the people who are just doing one star reviews just across the board um, or what we would call trolls (laughs) and doing anything about that is something else. Well, and so like 
my, again, my example is Chuck Wendig. Um, I don't know if you paid attention to any of that stuff that happened, but he, um, he recently wrote, um, a new Star Wars novel. Right. That's like for this new group that, you know, this whole new era of Star Wars that's starting. Um, Which comes out in one week, just in case you're wondering. I know. I'm so excited. Are Um, you going? uh, Probably, although I don't know if I'm going on opening day. I might go on opening weekend. But. Okay. But I am going. Sam already Um, has tickets to two showings. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I hope he likes it. Um, so, but yeah, so Chuck Wendig, he wrote this novel and there was an intentional one-star review campaign against him. So like Amazon's whole thing of, you know, your friends on Facebook, therefore your review doesn't count. Like you can buy the book, write a one-star review and return the book without ever having read it. And they won't take down your review. Like that's considered valid. So like I'm I'm concerned about their process. Like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, but because there's this whole campaign against Chuck Wendig from this weird faction of the Star Wars and not even Star Wars community, but of people who don't like diverse characters in literature um and who just have an axe to grind. Um, so like his book was on the bestseller list for a few weeks, I think, because of the fact that there was so much attention being drawn to it because of so many of these trolls out there that were like, we don't like this book because he wrote, you know, there was a gay character in it and it's horrible. And so like there, if you were to go to, um, let's go, let's look it up on Amazon and see what the, yeah, I have the Ratio link here is. in the um, thank you notes. The thank you notes. <laughs> the show notes. Um, but yeah, just to see like the. Yeah, so he's at a three and a half star. Two oh, no, and a half 2. stars. Six. Yeah. Two and a half stars. And if we click on it, he has 37% of his reviews are one star reviews. And like most of those, most of those I would venture to say are from people who A, they didn't read it. B, they think to themselves, oh no, this is an attack on my childhood. And C, they are some kind of weird political outlier who just doesn't like people. That yeah. are not like them, you know? So, so like, I still have a, I have a problem there. And, and again, that's one of the reasons that I don't read reviews on Amazon and Facebook or Goodreads because I just, like, if I don't know the person who's reviewing, exactly, then it's not- I don't care what they have to say about it. It's not going to affect my decision to purchase or not purchase. So... Yeah, so they're so. Amazon. <laughs> right. So which changes the conversation to uh, medians like Goodreads. Okay, well. Well, Goodreads is run by Amazon, so. Well, yeah, but, you know, you can be more specific about the people whose feeds you see about books. You know, exactly. You can on Amazon. Like Amazon, you just see everybody. So. Well, and it becomes a word of mouth recommendation kind of thing, you know, sure. like, which, which Goodreads is good for that too, because when I go through the feed, I see what my friends are reading and I think, oh, that looks interesting. Or they have a vehicle to like, phys- like lend me a book or to recommend me a book. Um, yeah. And but I'm the other, to read it. well, and the other thing that I think about is all of the books on Goodreads that I review, I most often are four or five star reviews and that seems tilted and it seems like, Oh, well I like every book I read. No, but these have been recommended to me by people who know what I like to read. So I'm going to, you know, (laughs) the books that I read and and talk about and post on Goodreads are going to be books that probably I was already going to like because it's a, you know, a high rate of return. 
Well, and then, and I feel like we've talked about this before as well, but there's that whole like school of, of writerly type people that say, you know, you shouldn't say negative things. Like they sure. don't post yeah. bad reviews because like that's either a bad karma or like it's, you know, it's just mean. And I'm like, if it's constructive, can't that be a good thing? But so like, this is where I, I get confused because like personally, I appreciate um, authenticity. <laughs> so like if you're not saying bad things just to hurt me, but yeah. you're saying like you have a critical review that's actually useful to me, I, I want to hear that. E- as painful as it might be to my ego in the first place, like eventually I want to process that information so that I can be better because I want to be the best writer ever. You know, <laughs> but I can't be that if I don't get critical feedback. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. Um, yeah. But there's a difference between trolling and critiquing. Exactly. But so there's, it's just a fine line. And this whole Amazon thing is just bizarre to me. So I don't know. Well, but I think as an author, it does make you reconsider okay, part of my initial marketing campaign is not going to be to ask people to review me on Amazon. Just let that process be natural for people, you know? Right. Don't try to control it, just let it ride. Right. And well, my, that's but, my I mean, uh, professional opinion as a publisher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that whole thing of like, you know, people who like, you know, they they think that their reviews drive their sales. Yeah. So like if we can figure out how to change the process to and where maybe it's not even it's not about the reviews driving the sales, it's about the quality of the writing. Well, and maybe, but I think there are more and more people who understand what goes on on Amazon who are like you and I am, and we just disregard that completely. Right. And we trust, we go instead to, uh, hey, let me send a text to this person, or hey, let me go to this person's blog and see what they think, because I care what this person thinks. I don't care what the 1,700 reviews on Amazon say, because I don't know who those people are. Right. So. Exactly. So there, there's our two cents on that topic. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, you know, since we're talking about this, so what are you reading now? Um, So I have been in kind of a slump the past couple weeks and, and here's why. Well, for one thing, I got sick. So. Who knows? Speaking of, there's another cough. Um. So I was sick and so I was, I was watching Jane the Virgin, um, on Netflix for like days on end because I'm obsessed with it and it's amazing. Um, so put that in the show notes. Um, and then, um, also like I was using my Kindle to review a manuscript that, um, was so bad that like I couldn't look at it on word because I had too much of an urge to, do some line editing on it. And that's not what I'm being paid to do on this manuscript. Yeah. So I was just on the Kindle with it because I can't do anything with it on the Kindle except for read it. And because of the way that the Kindle works, like if I um, close that document that I downloaded, then I have to like go through this whole rigmarole of a process to get it back. And then I have to figure out where I was again. And it's just like such a pain. So I left the Kindle, um, I left that document up on Kindle. I didn't close it. Um, so all the books that I have on my Kindle that I, I got a whole bunch of new books in November that I'm really excited to read, but I can't, I can't, I couldn't read them yet because my, I wasn't done with that manuscript and I just kept like dragging it out because it's really needed some things said about it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to finish this. And so <laughs> finally like, like I've pushed myself through that process. So, um, I can, I can use my Kindle for other things now, but, um, so I still have the kindness of Ravens, not the kindness of Ravens. That's my story that I wrote. Um, what is the name of that book, um, that I'm reading about Ravens by Bernd Heinrich. It's on Goodreads. I will look it up really fast. Um, but so I'm reading that 
Ravens in Winter by Bernd Heinrich. And then I just, um, as a ML municipal liaison for Nano, um, got like a bundle of 25 books on writing craft. Um, Whoa. That I'm really excited to read on my Kindle now. So um, I didn't know that you got prizes. Yeah. Well, it was a thank you gift for us because we were. Because Does my ML get in. that? Probably, yeah. What? So, I know you should I be an ML. No, like, yeah, all I had the perks no are interest amazing. in having <laughs> in being an ML until this moment right now. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, one of the books I already had because again, it's by Chuck Wendig, and it's about um, about writing because um, I have a bunch of his books too to read. But I, yeah, I have I have so many books on my Kindle right now that I'm really really excited to get to, and so I just have to get this one manuscript out of my way so that I can get back to it. It's your prize. Exactly. It's my reward for doing the hard thing. Working. <laughs> doing your job. <laughs> Which I really like my job. It just like it was it was down to like how do I how do I do it and like say what needs to be said and I mean I ended up like writing I'm almost done with the report for it and I've referenced Star Wars and Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz already. So um, in just like giving character arc, story arc, plot arc advice. So, <laughs> so you're pulling out all the stops on this. One. Exactly. Anyways, what about you? What are you reading right now? Well, I just finished Dead Wake by Eric Larson, and I, I just he's so good. <laughs> so Eric Larson, you know, he wrote The Devil on the White City, which talked about this serial killer in Chicago during the World's oh, yeah, Fair. Yeah, I remember you read that or you recommended it. I remember you talking about it. Yeah, and in The Garden of the Beast, which, talk, which talks about uh, the story of Hitler's rise to power from the American ambassador's mm. viewpoint. Um, and it even contains documents from the American ambassador that's like, okay, this guy is really – we really seriously need to consider – the fact that he's rising to power and the people are actually listening to him and this is going to be a big issue. And then the letters back from America, oh, it'll be all right. Yeah. And so he weaves these historical documents and these historical accounts into the story. So this one was about the um, Lusitana. How do you say it? The, uh, the Lusitania. Yeah. Lusitania. Yeah. I've read it over and over again, but, you know, you've never said it out loud. <laughs> yeah. But it talks about the sinking of the Lusitania. And he writes in such a way that he builds the tension and you know the, hist the history behind it, right? You know Hitler's yep. going to rise to power. You know what Hitler's going to do. But still, it's like, please, people, listen. Listen to this guy. Seriously. Right. And so <laughs> you're hoping as you read this account, you're like, please let it not sink. Right. Please, you know, you know it has happened, but he brings that story alive. And the thing that I love about what he's doing just for history in general, since I used to be a history teacher, is he's bringing the story of the people back to this these historical events that if you went to a school like I did, you just learned the timeline of events. You know, you, right. didn't, you didn't hear the perspectives of the people who actually experienced it. So cool. And then my uh, other book that I'm reading, you know, at two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning or <laughs> four o'clock in the morning is Water for Elephants on my Kindle. So Oh, nice. It's, yeah. I've been wanting to read this book for a long time. Cool. I have not read that one. I'm but. enjoying it a lot. I, don't, I can't say more than that right now. It's way different than I thought it was going mm. to be, which is always exciting to me. I like to be surprised. It's. There's, I'm trying to remember, it's got, is it about, not the circus, but there's yeah, circus. the involved. circus. Yeah. There's another book um, that was really good, uh, that was like historical circus type book. Um, it's called The Final Confession of Mabel Stark. It's mm. about the first female lion, uh, tiger trainer. That's <clears throat> cool. And it's a, like, it's a fictionalized account of her life. Um, yeah, this one's a little tough to stomach as an animal lover, though. Well, this one is not, I mean, you should, anyways, you should read it. <laughs> but, um, because it was really interesting, but it was not, like, it's not warm fuzzy. It's like. It's not happy. 
Yeah. yeah. But well, because like, I mean, animals in the circus aren't happy traditionally animals. have not been well treated well. So yeah. Cool. Yes. Yes. And the other big news is that Harrelson Press just came out with a new ebook, our last publication for this 2015 year. Congratulations. Thanks. We've been working on this one for a long time <laughs> and have had a baby in between and a couple of middle. other things that have come up. Yeah. It's amazing. So it's called The Journey of a Flower. It's a um, a picture book nice. that has verse that describes the life cycle of a plant by a teacher in Charleston. So not only do we have a new book, but we have a new Harrelson Press author as well. That's awesome. Very Congratulations. exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So feel free to check that out if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And now that means we need to play, plan for the 2016 year. Yes. Well, there's probably a young adult low fantasy novel that might. I hear might it's in the revision your, process. Yeah, might fit into your schedule next year. Who knows? So. I hear it's in the revision process. <laughs> I also hear that there's this um, Harrelson Press author, a first-time author that was published last March, who's been working on a second book as well. Yes. Yes, she has. And I cannot wait. So I that. guess we'll just have to wait and see what 2016 holds. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty exciting. It is. Well, it's so, so good to be back. It's good to have you back. I've missed you. I've missed you too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good to have discussions again in the professional sense. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And to our listeners out there, hopefully this means that we can podcast still weekly now. We're on episode 93. Yeah. We're moving along towards episode 100 which we're going to have a party of some sort for as soon as we can figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> but, but we we still have a book exchange, so people oh, sign yes, up for the book yes. exchange. If you want books, we we have books. Oh, we yeah, have we ideas. Do. So And so, it doesn't cost anything. Just the price of shipping a box. Yep. And if you ship media mail, it's very reasonable. Yep. Less than the cost of a cup of a grande at Starbucks. <laughs> to keep the world reading. And it will last you so much longer. That's right. <laughs> if people wanted to get in touch with you and talk more about this publishing process, character arcs, yeah, questions. You can find me on the internet at www.writingrefinery.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Goodreads, Twitter, and Pinterest at writing refinery um and come talk to me ask me questions um and let's let's get your revisions going because that's how you get published yes indeed and if you have a manuscript that's already been through the revision process the beta reader process and the uh freelance editor process then send it my way harrelsonpress.com <laughs> at harrelsonpress on twitter and harrelsonpress on facebook Awesome. Until next time. Keep writing. Keep reading. And keep thinking. Bye.